0: Whether it's hanging half on a hundred on them at Owen Field or the run rules on the Diamond at Love's Field We're giving you the breakdowns, the bets, and the hot takes from the perspective of two former OU Athletics employees
1: You're listening to the Mainline Podcast
0: with Tyler Burton and Adam Jaquez. Let's go! Let's go. 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 Go.
1: Go. go! 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 Let's go. It's the main line. I'm Adam Jaquez. He's Tyler Burton. We are a Red Dirt Media show. Tyler, have a day. How are you doing this evening?
0: Having a day, Adam. Like I said, National Signing Day Eve. Uh, it's an exciting time within OU Athletics. Basketball's on fire right now. Got a big time top 10, top 11 matchup. Oklahoma's going to be the higher ranked team against the North Carolina Tar Heels and, uh, uh, what's going to be a fantastic basketball game tomorrow night up in the Queen City of Charlotte? I think that this is going to be an opportunity for Oklahoma fans to really see uh, this Porter Moser squad for the first time up close and personal uh, against probably their best competitive test all season long. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to dive into the All Bowl uh, Bowl prep just a little bit. National signing days coming up, uh, but yeah, man, things are good. The last week before Christmas, trying to put a bow uh on uh, things with work as we look to wrap up the year but things are good man excited to talk some football uh and get into the alamo bowl
1: and we'll absolutely try to do our best to cover signing day and the uh, Jumpman invitational versus unc as best we can because we realize those events are happening wednesday night we record tuesday night so by the time some of you watch or listen to the show. those events may have already happened, but we'll do our best there. We've got a rundown over here for those watching on YouTube over on the left hand side of the screen. Uh, Shout out to Red Dirt Media for hooking us up with uh, some new graphics, some new countdowns on the uh, YouTube live feed. So um, if you're maybe just tuning in for the first time, we are the mainline uh, part of Red Dirt Media, or maybe you've been a fan of the mainline for a long time. Uh, and maybe you missed last week or were under a rock for a little bit, uh, we are now part of Red Dirt Media, so we're excited to be a part of that. Um, you probably know the name from uh, what Nick Anderson and Caden Helms are doing and some new shows that they're going to be releasing or, I guess, announcing here in the short term. So uh, we're excited to be uh, a part of that uh, organization going forward. Let's dive into some Alamo Bowl preview. Jackson Arnold getting his first start there, but I think we should probably start with – Who's going to be in front of him? The offensive line looks to be kind of a mess right now. So Tyler, like, who
0: should we be expecting to start at this point? Yeah, it's 100% a mess right now. When you factor in opt-outs because of the NFL draft, talking about the transfer portal, injuries, different things going on, yeah, it's kind of a crapshoot right now in terms of what you can expect at the offensive line position. I think that really the only thing that we can confidently say, Adam, is Walter Rouse is going to take the first snap at the left tackle position. McCade Matower is going to be at the right guard slot. And that really just kind of leaves the other three positions kind of up in the air. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. Um, You know, we've heard some rumblings that Troy Everett has been battling a little bit of a back issue the past couple of weeks. And, you know, uh, Andrew Rain, Tyler Guyton have opted out going to the NFL draft. Savion Bird and Nate Anderson both are on their way to SMU to play for the Ponies next year. So, you know, these past couple of weeks has really kind of put us in a position and really Bill Beatonboe has kind of been put into, a, you know, backed into a corner where he's really having to evaluate everybody in his room. as doesn't matter if you're a fifth-year senior or a true freshman, who are my best guys that I can trot out there in San Antonio uh, here in about a week or so. And I, from everything that we've heard, it sounds like Rouse, Caleb Schaefer, Josh Bates, the true freshman at center, uh, McCade Mattower, and Jacob Sexton. It kind of feels like that's been the five over the course of bowl prep uh, within the last couple of weeks. So, again, if you're Jackson Arnold, I know fans are super excited about watching this kid having 15 bowl practices under his belt. He's going to look better. He's going to be more comfortable. He's going to have the game plan built around his skill set and what he likes to do. Uh, and then you look at the fact that you're going to have kind of a makeshift offensive line held together by some uh, by some super glue – and we're going to see what this thing looks like on uh, on uh, the 28th of December. But, again, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a really, really good test for Oklahoma. We'll dive into Arizona a little bit here in just a few minutes. But in terms of you know what the offensive line is going to look like, I think you're looking at Rouse, Schaefer, uh, uh, Josh Bates, McKay Tower, and Jacob Sexton. So, all in all, not too terribly bad. It's just an offensive line that hasn't played together all year, and it's got a couple new faces on it.
1: And I think you're pretty much guaranteed uh, to see a true freshman. I know Michael in the chat is pretty excited to see Josh Bates go out there, um, you know, being the tip of the spear at that center position potentially, or maybe we even see uh, McCade Matoyer go over to that center position, but then that probably means you might have a Heath Ozida, another true freshman uh, rolling out at guard there. So uh, it's going to be interesting, I'd uh, say at least now you like that there is a lot of, um, you know, prep time and work to get there. By my count, we have nine healthy offensive linemen that are on scholarship, but that includes guys like Ozida or Logan Howland, who are true freshmen that uh, you really would rather not have them have to go out there and play because offensive line is such a developmental position. Um, so it's, it's kind of nervous. Hopefully nobody gets hurt or, you know, has any types of issues because you're starting to get into a territory where there's not enough linemen to maybe even go out and play the game.
0: Yeah, but also on the flip side of that, Adam, you know, ultimately with the bowl game not counting towards, you know, eligibility with the red shirts coming into effect, this could be an opportunity where, as an Oklahoma fan or even as a coach on that staff, like a Bill Beanball, this is an opportunity, whether it's a, a Logan Howland or a Heath Ozada or a Josh Bates, where, you know, throw these guys out there. They've had a full year in the system, uh, being able to go through practice. They've gotten the reps. They've been in the weight room with Schmidt. This could be an opportunity where you essentially throw these guys into the fire and let's see what you've got. Going into the offseason, as you try to game plan and try to prep what that room's going to look like, what, you know, how it's going to uh, uh, play going into next season in the SEC. So, again, um, just because uh, we kind of feel like we know what the starting five is going to be, I think that you could seriously see seven, maybe even eight guys uh, trot out there in San Antonio on uh, the 28th hopefully they can put up a good performance that helps us get pretty
1: excited about maybe some of these younger guys as they head into the 2024 season but that means that uh jackson arnold potentially could be running for his life or mm-hmm. maybe gavin Sawchuk would be uh, potentially looking for uh, some holes to run through and as this offensive line will probably look to gel um in this game and mm-hmm. you know they will have the extra time to prepare uh, but so will jackson arnold which will be great because you look back at what he's done this year, and Arizona by far, I think, will be the best team that he's played in uh, or best team he's played against. Rather, he played a lot against Tulsa, a lot against Arkansas State, not really a major tests there. And then this whole second half against BYU, which, if we look mm-hmm. back at the stat line, five of nine, 33 yards, 55% completion percentage, had eight rushes for 24 yards. I know that's just a half of football, not particularly impressive, kind of a tough situation, not bad weather on the road. And he's going to have, you know, a full three weeks, four weeks to prepare for this game, knowing that he's the guy, but what's, what's realistic you know, for what you think Jackson Arnold's just kind of predicting his stat line? What do you think is realistic for that?
0: Well, I think that's kind of hard to project, I mean, realistically, because, again, if if you listen to everything that's coming out, of, uh, coming out of the program, you know, with regards to players that are, you know, on the practice field with him, coaches that have had an opportunity to watch this kid, you know, compete for the last, you know, eight months or so, I mean, sky's the limit for what this kid's going to be able to do. I mean, I think that this uh, Jackson Arnold is going to have the opportunity to go down as being, you know, the next great quarterback in a long lineage, of guys that have played the position at a high level at Oklahoma. But, again, it's kind of interesting. We talked about the offensive line being, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit of duct tape, a little bit of super glue, glue holding it together. A quarterback's best friend is the running game. So how productive of a game are we going to see from the likes of, you know, Gavin Sawchuk, Javante Barnes, Caleb Hicks, maybe even Wee Walker, who's still practicing with the team. While he is in the you know quote unquote in the transfer portal, so again I think that there's going to be there's probably going to be a uh, concerted effort by Joe John Finley and Seth Latrell, especially early and often, to you know find a couple of easy throws for Jackson Arnold to make, get him into a rhythm, ease him into the flow of the game, give this kid some confidence, and uh, you know ultimately I think if Oklahoma is going to you know get to their highest point in the Alamo Bowl, being able to execute at a high octane level, uh, then I think it is going to start with running the football, you know dominating on the line of scrimmage. You know, giving Jackson Arnold the opportunity to make some plays in the play action game, throwing the deep ball down to Nick Anderson or Brendan Thompson. Jaden Gibson is another one as well uh, that's had a fantastic year uh, in his second season in Oklahoma. But if you try to get me to project what I think Jackson's stat is going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of good that you're going to see against the Wildcats, but I think that you're also going to see, okay, that kid's clearly, you know, uh, you know, quote-unquote a true freshman uh, making his first collegiate start. So I'm going to go stat line if you may project it. I'm going to go 23 of 34, uh, 265 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. I think that the Wildcats' secondary, uh, they'll, they'll be able to pick him off one time. But I do think Jackson, Oklahoma fans coming out of this game, regardless of the outcome, win or loss, How Jackson plays that night, I think that it's going to give a lot of Oklahoma fans encouragement uh, on what this team and this offense is going to look like going into next season.
1: I'm in agreement with uh, James in the chat there. He's basically spot on with with what I was thinking. 200 to 250 yards passing, Mm -hmm. 50 to 75 yards rushing, probably two to three touchdowns. I think that's really pretty much uh, identical to what we should expect. He's a five-star, yes. Most five-star freshmen quarterbacks don't play well. Like it just mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Dante Moore played a lot for UCLA. He's probably the guy that played the most out of all the five-star quarterbacks this class. Portal was kind was kind of just meh. Like, and I don't think that's a sign at all of what he's going to do in the rest of his career. He'll probably be great, mm-hmm. but five-star freshman quarterback <laughs> struggle. <laughs> that's just that's how life is for for any quarterback that's thrust into the role of a starter in his first year.
0: Yeah, and maybe Adam, this is this is way too easy to say, but honestly, from for my chair, I'm watching this game here in in a week or so. Uh, the biggest thing for me with watching Jackson Arnold, yes, you want to see him take care of the football. You want to see him make some plays down the field, you know, being taking care of the football. But for me, it's this guy making it through four quarters and staying healthy going into the off season, you know, at a hundred percent, uh, you know, knock on wood that this kid and, you know, a lot of the other players that are going to be key contributors for this football team going into next season. Health is a big, is a big deal going into the season this bowl game you know even though this bowl game is an opportunity for Brent Venables to win uh the 11th game of this season for Oklahoma that's what we've come to expect that's what we're used to at a place like Oklahoma but again this is an opportunity where you know you're not playing for anything other than pride uh, an Alamo Bowl trophy and getting your 11th win so you're you know your Stutzman's your Bowman's you know Jackson Arnold Sawchuk. uh you, you want to see these guys finish the game healthy uh after four quarters on on uh I believe Thursday night here uh, next week. Thursday night.
1: Let's talk about guys that will potentially surprise us. We've seen that the last two bowl cycles. I'd say Jaleel Farouk was one of the biggest ones in the Alamo Bowl Mm -hmm. two years ago when we played there. Really didn't do much before that and then showed up and was kind of a guy that got really excited heading into that 2022 season. Same thing with Gavin Sawchuck a year ago in the Cheez It Bowl. Now I'm looking at this bowl game and thinking, okay, there's probably a couple different guys on this team that could kind of show up surprise and let's take Jackson Arnold out of that equation because he's the quarterback. We know he's a starter. He's going to put up stats. I don't think he counts for this category, Mm -hmm. but who would you look to that you would like to see, or you think we could see as potentially a surprise
0: player in the Alamo Bowl? I'm going to go with PJ Adebore. Uh, simply because this is a guy that's you know been, been through an entire football season, you know the the play snaps uh, has continued to rise over the course of the season, and this is going to be an opportunity for him. Uh, there's not going to be too many opt outs for for Arizona uh, next uh, next Thursday night, but. Probably the biggest opt out of them all is uh, is one of the uh, the tackle positions for them. You know, declaring for the NFL draft that's going to be you know a huge thing. That Oklahoma, you know, especially the edge defenders out on the perimeter are going to have an opportunity to really get after the quarterback. Uh, and makes uh, you know be a key difference maker. So give me give me PJ uh, to be a guy that coming uh, coming out of this game on Saturday. Uh, this is going to be one where going into the off season, a lot of people are going to be talking about year two of this kid and how he's going to be able to take that next step, put on some more weight, work on his craft, you know, develop his technique a little bit more this off season, uh, with Miguel Chavis. Uh, so yeah, give me PJ. I'll
1: give you two quick ones. How about Josiah Wagner on the defensive side of the ball? I think they're going to want to see what some of those other younger guys can do. Mm-hmm. And with the extended amount of practice time. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if Gentry Williams will be fully healthy. We hope he is. Uh, we'd like to see a lot more of him. Um, we know Woody Washington is likely. Um, I don't think he's announced anything yet, but it's pretty much set in stone that he's going to go to the NFL at, at this point. Is it? So, is it? I don't know. I mean, he's been he's been awfully quiet, so I I, I don't really know. But I would like to think, yeah, he's. I mean, I, I would like to think he's going to come back, but I, I don't know. So I we'll feel like Wagner is a guy that maybe could could get some more run there, and then. I don't know if this one counts so much in the same category because we've seen this guy before, but how about Javante Barnes having some extra time to get healthy, mm-hmm. more opening potentially there with Marcus major gone. I know he hasn't played much the last couple of weeks. I don't know. Tali Walker's potentially returning, but if, if Walker's not committed to coming back, like why not give Barnes all of Walker's carries at that or point? Or Caleb Hicks or Caleb Hicks. I had him on there too. So a couple of different directions you go in that mm-hmm. running back room.
0: Yeah, he's the guy that I had on the offensive side of the football. Outside of Jackson Arnold and, you know, maybe a couple of the young guys on the offensive line. Caleb Hicks was a guy that I had his name circled. Didn't really get a chance to see him play hardly at all this season once you got in a conference play. But again, uh bowl games have no bearing whatsoever on a player's eligibility. So he's not gonna burn a red shirt if he plays uh this weekend. And, you know, when you've got kind of a makeshift offensive line that's not gonna be as experienced, probably is not gonna be as dominant as we've seen kind of the back half of the season. Caleb Hicks is a guy, you know, a little bit bigger back, stronger, tough physical runner in between the tackles. So, you know, this could be an opportunity for him to kind of showcase uh, like uh, Gavin Salchuk did a year ago in the Cheesa Bowl where, you know, there was so much talk about this kid coming into the season, but we never really had a chance to really uh, see what this kid was capable of doing turn the page to the bowl game and Gavin Sawchuk is the biggest storyline in the running back position going into the next season so this could be another situation where Caleb Hicks is gonna have an opportunity to do so and we'll see how DeMarco Murray and Seth Luttrell choose to deploy him Jeff in the chat asks
1: can Tawi even play since he's in the portal I believe he can I think he can yes uh yeah I don't know. We'll have to do some more research on that. I mean, it's, it's the portal season is what, like three years in at this point. So
0: like, there's no rules. I <laughs> mean, yeah, there's no, rules. Mean, well, yeah. there's no <laughs> rules. There's no regulations. I don't know how you can monitor it. Um, but again, if Brent Venables has already came back, uh, came out and said that if Tawi does make the decision that he wants to come back, he's going to be walking with open arms. But if you're Tawi walking, or you are looking at potentially earning a scholarship going into next season? What better audition could you possibly have playing on national television, being the lone game that night, uh, to go out there and make a statement, and you know, kind of put yourself out on the radar of a lot of these teams that are going to be looking for, you know, a true, you know, bulldozer type running back going into next season. Yeah,
1: on the defensive side of the ball, OU has, we talked about last week, been pretty up and down mm-hmm. throughout the year on defense. You've had some really good performances, some not so good performances, and I think we'd all like to have a really great one to end the year to uh, make us feel confident and excited for what this defense will be. And I. I even if they give up 45 points, I'm sure we'll still be excited. We'll work our way back there throughout the off season. Mm-hmm. But uh, it'd be really great to just point and say, "Hey, here's the starting point. It's already really great. Let's get even better in the off season." And so one of you know key point of that is Billy Bowman, Danny Stutzman coming back, but also being healthy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's, unless I'm missing something, I don't think there's any key pieces that will be gone at this point. Um, no opt-outs, nobody that's in the portal that was a contributor on the defensive side of the ball. So yep. a, a lot of guys coming back there. You mentioned earlier the left tackle for Arizona, probably a day two pick in the NFL. He's opted out already, so an opportunity for young guys like P.J. to maybe step up there. But um, a lot of weapons on this Wildcats offense that mm-hmm. Oklahoma's going to have to contain and, and really try to uh, make an impact there.
0: Yeah, it's a really good offense. It's going to be a really good test for Oklahoma defensively on uh, on next Thursday night. And again, this is this is another one, Adam, where again it's the Alamo Bowl. Obviously, you know, pride comes into effect. You want to win eleven ball games, so Oklahoma is going to put their best foot forward. And you would hope that coming off of two weeks of preparation with a fully, you know, um, you know, all hands on deck type of effort from everything that we've heard, doesn't sound like anybody's too banged up. It sounds like it's going to be all hands on deck for Oklahoma. You get the, you know, you get the fact that Isaiah Coe uh and, and you know Grayson Halton and Jacob Lacy uh Dejon Terry those guys have an opportunity to go out there and make a statement uh next Thursday night uh the linebacker position is going to be fun to follow the fact that you've got Kip Lewis that's been given another month's worth of practice to be able to really put some things together uh but again at the end of the day Adam health is the biggest thing for me i don't really care what the outcome is coming coming out of this from a performance standpoint i Obviously, you want to go out there, you want to shut them out, you want to hold this team you know, down as much as possible, and it's going to be a tough test for Oklahoma when you look at what Arizona likes to do offensively and some of the personnel that they have, but we all know what's coming a year from now, and the style of play that Oklahoma's going to be going up against as a defense next year is going to look a whole lot different than what we've seen throughout the course of this year, and even what we're going to see in the Alamo Bowl as well uh, with, uh, with this Wildcat offense. So, yeah. Um, health is the biggest concern for me, but you want to see after two weeks of preparation, this defense come out and put together a strong performance that gets, you you know, gives you confidence, but also, you know, leaves a good taste in your mouth going into the off season. Arizona is a top 25 offense
1: in the nation in points per game. Uh, they've yeah. got a two-headed monster in the receiver room and Ted Aroa McMillan, who has over 1200 mm-hmm. yards on the year. And then Jacob Cowling uh, has 11 touchdowns to lead the Wildcats. So they've got some playmakers there. And then Noah Fafita, the quarterback who's mm-hmm. kind of come in mid year taking over that starting role. He's not as much of a running threat as Jaden Delora was before uh, at the beginning of the year, but uh, Fafita has really just elevated this program over the uh, course of the season. And, Wildcats are coming in with a six-game win streak. Um, their last mm-hmm. loss was to USC in that crazy game that happened really late at night, same yep. day as OU Texas. That's how long ago it was that this team lost. So um, they're on a heater right now. and OU's going to have their hands full with this particular offense. But I, I think you like, and we talked about earlier, like no opt-outs, no guys that are leaving for the NFL, able to get healthy. So I think you like that This this feels almost like strength on strength a little bit.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, the casuals out there that don't really follow college football as a whole, don't really dive into it as much as we do. They see the matchup that, OK, Oklahoma's playing Arizona. That should be an easy win for Oklahoma. It's, it's kind of a lose-lose situation where if you're Oklahoma, you're expected to win this game. You're not going to get hardly any credit whatsoever if you do. Because of the logo on this uh, of the school on the uh, the opposing sideline, but if you lose this game, then you know all all the uh, all off long, it's going to be talking about you know Brent Venables is he in over his head? What's this offense going to be able to do without Dylan Gabriel? What does year three? Uh, this defense look like going into the SEC. So there's a, there's a lot to play for in a sense where you want the positivity, you want the momentum going into the offseason. But this is an Arizona football team. Don't let the you know don't let the nine and three record fool you. There's this is a team that finished third in the Pac-12 overall. Three losses or by a touchdown on the road against Mississippi State and Starkville. They lost a heartbreaker at home by seven to Washington who's part of the college football playoff. And then they lost by two on the road in triple overtime against, you know, the former Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams. So, again, this is an offense scoring over 34 points a game, 450 yards a game, very balanced attack. It starts with the quarterback position, Noah Fafita, freshman. That's, it's not too often that we talk about Adam, you know, freshman coming in, starting at the power five level and finding success, especially when you're standing at just five foot 11, weighing 190 pounds. And you hit the nail on the head, Adam. This is a guy that didn't even begin the year as the starter. He took over partway through the season. And once, you know, once this kid got his opportunity, he took the baton and reign with it. Super athletic quarterback, small in stature. He's not Kyler Murray by any stretch of the imagination, but, His legs do give him the ability to extend plays outside the pocket, pick up up some serious yardage when he gets in the open field. And you look at the stat line, Adam, and, again, I want to remind everybody, this is a freshman doing this in the Pac-12, you know, against the UCLA's, against the Washington's. We're going to leave USC off there. You know, sorry, Alex Grinch, enjoy your Christmas. 74% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. This is a quarterback that is going to be able to give Oklahoma – I think probably their top two or three tests all season long. He's not Quinn Ewers by any stretch of the imagination, but you 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 know put him neck and neck with some of the other guys that Oklahoma's played this season in the Big 12, uh, Noah's going to have an opportunity to make some plays against Oklahoma. It's going to be on uh, Danny Stutzman especially, get these guys lined up, figure out the schematics, and put them in a position to go out there and shut this Arizona offense down.
1: Yeah, high praise for the Arizona quarterback. And I'm I'm trying to think through the rolodex of quarterbacks we have played this year. It's Quinn Ewers. It's John Rice Plumley, Jason Bean, uh, like Alan it, Bowman. It's, Alan Bowman. Yeah, it's it's not like I mean respect to a lot of those guys because a couple of them beat OU, but um, you know they were just kind of there on the field. I don't think that they were necessarily sure. the determining factor in those games. So. Yeah, no Fafita right up there, probably number two as far as quarterbacks that he's played.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the biggest one of the biggest you know tests for Oklahoma a week from now is the skill position that Arizona to that Arizona and you know head coach Jed Fish is gonna have the opportunity to really do some things creative wise. Uh, to be able to put Oklahoma's defenders in some tough positions. They do a lot of pre-snap motions. They do a lot of, you know, crossing routes. They do a lot of timing concepts. So, uh, for me, you know, it's, it's cliche, but, you know, football 101, how do you want to be successful on defense? Well, number one, uh, stop the running game. And, and Arizona's got a really good running back at him, Jonah Coleman who kind of almost reminds me like a young Josh Jacobs. I know that's a lot of high praise, but you watch the way that this kid plays when you turn on the tape, uh, runs really hard with the ball in his hands at five foot nine, two 225 pounds. The guy is tough to bring down, does a great job of making guys miss out in open space, uh, uh, has good vision, pretty good burst of speed. And Arizona, Adam, something that I really like about this Jetfish offense, Arizona likes to get him involved heavily, in the passing game out of the backfield. And this is one of the better quarterback-running back combos that Oklahoma's going to face all season long. It's going to be a nice test for Oklahoma. Oh, and like you mentioned too, they've got a couple of really good guys out on the perimeter at wide receiver that both have over 80 catches, double-digit touchdowns. So it's going to be an all-around a complete test for Oklahoma's defense uh, next Thursday night. It's surprising that Jed fish is still the coach at
1: Arizona. Like uh, he should Mm -hmm. be coaching somewhere else and maybe he got saved because chip Kelly is, is keeping his job. Like Arizona is going to hang on to Jed fish another year, but, uh, feels like, uh, fish is just one of the hottest names. that just didn't get quite picked up, uh, this, uh, this cycle in the coaching carousel. Mm Arizona's been really great in one possession games this year. Oklahoma's been pretty solid in those as well. Um, That's been a nice um, upgrade or change that we've seen in the 2023 season. So let's talk score predictions. Like, what are you
0: expecting for – I know it's kind of a crapshoot to to predict these bowl
1: games, but what are you expecting?
0: It's really tough to predict it. And, again, to me, this is a scenario where – Arizona is the team that's got way more to play for. Anytime that you go into a bowl matchup and you're facing a team like Oklahoma, historic program has got all the recognition, all the accolades. This this is a win that does more for Arizona and their program than I think it does for Oklahoma uh, as we move forward into 2024. But at the same time, as good as, as good as Arizona has been this year, I still think that in the positions where it matters the most, I think Oklahoma has the advantage uh, especially up front on the defensive side of the football. So with that being said, I'm going to go Oklahoma 31, Arizona 27, but I don't feel good about it.
1: I, um, I'm i kind of in that same neighborhood. I I do agree, like we've talked about. I think this OU defense puts together one of their better performances of the year, just having the extra time, getting healthy, getting some of their pieces back. Uh, Gentry Williams could be one of those pieces, it sounds like. I don't have a ton of faith in Jackson Arnold just yet. I need to see more of that. Um, I need to see him put it together for a whole game. I think he'll actually probably he – might, he might have more rushing attempts in this game than Dylan Gabriel did in a single game all year because being a young mm-hmm. quarterback, getting off your first read, moving to your second, third read is really tough, um, and he's, he's a good runner. So I think we could see quite a bit of that. Um, but I, I just think there's going to be inconsistencies for Arnold. I think we'll see some really amazing things, things that we didn't see from Dylan Gabriel at all. Um, both good and bad though. So uh, that's uh-huh. how a young quarterback usually is. Uh, I know people will say, I think we saw a, a comment earlier in the chat of like, well, Baker Mayfield was freshman of the year. And it's like, well, for every Baker Mayfield, there's 30 guys that are just so inconsistent mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. struggle in their first year. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm thinking we'll get from Jackson Arnold. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got Arizona winning 27 to 20, but it, it's tough. It's so tough to predict with all these opt outs. Mm-hmm. Just, I think you look at a new quarterback, a new offensive line for OU for the most part, I think that's going to be tough to overcome.
0: Yeah, it's not going to surprise me either way uh, who wins this football game. I just don't see it being any more than a touchdown spread either way. Whoever wins this football game on uh, you know next Thursday, I think it's going to be a highly competitive four-quarter game. Uh, and I think it's really going to kind of come down to which quarterback is the one that makes the mistake uh, because both of these defense have shown, you know have proven time and time again over the course of this season that they have the ability to really kind of hunker down and make plays when it matters the most. And one guy, obviously, there's a couple other podcasts out there that, you know, dive into it a little bit more. Obviously, short week, Christmas coming up. Uh, We're not going to touch on it too briefly, but a guy that I want Oklahoma fans to be aware of when they watch this game a week from now uh, on the defensive side of the football for the Arizona Wildcats, linebacker Jacob Manu. By far and away their best player on defense. He was first team all pack 12 selection, leads the team in tackles with 108. He's the straw that stirs the drink for this Wildcat defense. So uh, very interested to see how you know new offensive coordinators, Seth Luttrell, Joe John Finley, how they utilize, you know, these last two weeks going into next week, the preparation, being able to put together a game plan around Jack Snarl. Because again, do I think that he's gonna have hundred percent of the playbook at his disposal? Probably not and I know he's not going to be as comfortable with it as Dylan Gabriel was, but at the same time, let's not forget, Adam, Jackson Arnold is a guy growing up playing high school football in 6A in the state of Texas, running a very similar offense to what he has in Oklahoma and is going to continue to run as it develops with Seth Luttrell uh, calling the plays going into next season. So again, yeah, I think there are going to be some freshman mistakes. You're going to see some inconsistencies, maybe even a few bad throws, but I think that Jackson Arnold is going to surprise some people. He's going to come out and show why he's the five-star quarterback Uh, that uh, was so highly touted out of high school and why Oklahoma fans have been clamoring for JFA uh, ever since he stepped foot on campus. Let's hope that you are right and that uh, myself
1: and Vegas, who has OU as a a two-and-a-half-point underdog, let's hope that uh, we're wrong on this one and OU is able to pull out a victory uh, because that could really kickstart a lot of momentum for this program. Now, a lot of people probably listen to this show after signing day is pretty much concluded. A lot of these guys are going to be signing Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. Don't expect any surprises. Don't expect uh, anything out of the ordinary. We kind of know. We've kind of known what this class is for a little while now. I want to focus a little bit on the defensive line though, because you alluded to PJ, a guy that we you mentioned. Hey, he could be a guy that surprises us with what he's able to do here in the bowl game. But I, I don't know if it's fair to say his freshman year was maybe a little bit underwhelming i don't think that again i don't think that speaks to what he could be next year or the, you know the year after mm-hmm. that but i think we expected a little bit more from him do you think any of these impact freshmen on the defensive line could do more than what pj did this year
0: well i mean that's going to be tough especially going into the sec where you know the the play on the line of scrimmage you know we think that we really know what it's going to look like uh but it's a whole different ball game when you actually experience it over the course of a 14 game season so Again, everybody everybody gives the accolades, and rightfully so, given the praise to David Stone. You know, he's, the, he's he's one of the best defensive linemen in America, five-star for a reason, out of IMG Academy in Florida. But I'm going to go with a guy that doesn't get a lot of the praise, the same amount of accolades as a David Stone, but he actually shares the line of scrimmage with him at IMG. I'm going to go with Jane Jackson because one of the things that Oklahoma is going to rely upon heavily is, in the in the SEC in year one, I think you know Stone and Jackson are going to be you know part of that two maybe even three man rotation on the interior of the defensive line and going up against some of the offenses that Oklahoma is going to face next season. You know the Alabamas, the uh, Tennessees, you know South Carolina, I'll throw in there as well with LSU you've got to be dominant, and you've got to have a nice, steady uh, rotation of interior guys. So I expect David Stone not just to play quite a bit next year, but I also think that Jane Jackson, with his frame, his size and stature, playing on the interior, whether they they line him up in a three technique or they line him up straight over the nose, I think he's going to have an opportunity as a true freshman next year to really showcase what he's able to do, Uh, and the best part about it is a lot of these guys, Adam, 20 out of the 28 commitments will be mid-year enrollees, most of which Stone, Jackson, Eddie Pierre-Louis, if you throw it over to the offensive line. Key guys on the line of scrimmage for Oklahoma, getting here early, having an opportunity to work with Bates, to work with Chavis, to work with Bill Beanbo, and most importantly, to get those extra four to five months in the weight room with Jerry Schmidt, prepping these guys for that gruesome, grueling four-month schedule that is the SEC Conference outside of Maine, it's going to be a tough, tall task for Oklahoma next season. And, you know, it's going to be all hands on deck. Oklahoma's going to need everybody from senior to true freshman uh, if we uh, if, you know, if we want to be competitive in this conference in year one.
1: Slightly off topic, but you mentioned Maine there and that kind of got me thinking. We we asked Twitter the other day, you know, which opponent should OU you the anthracite unity jerseys against in 2024 and we got some people that said maine we got some people that said tennessee we got a lot of tennessees on there Uh, a lot of people said south carolina because they're the new west virginia (laughs) of the sec which i i was like yep that kind of makes sense um how about this one though several people said lsu they wear white at home oh you can wear the anthracites that's probably gonna be a night game last game of the year um high visibility there what do you think about
0: that I'm one of the few that doesn't like the alternates altogether. Yeah. I think that when you're at a place like Oklahoma, you're traditional, you know, all white. But they're going um, to. They're I know, and, to. and I know it's a recruiting tactic. And again, d- don't get me wrong, especially when it's a night game, the anthracite uniforms are way, way better, especially yeah. from, you know, all the previous ones that we had in years past. So again, I, I, I wouldn't mind the LSU play. Chances are it is going to be a night game. If in Death Valley, that would be a nice uniform combination. If we had to break them out at home, Oklahoma's crimson and you know crimson uniforms with the crimson helmet I want to see that on the field with with Alabama's you know road whites. So I want to see that on the field uh, you know with uh, with Tennessee's away uniforms so give me South Carolina if I had to choose one to wear them at home but again at a place like Oklahoma I know it's a recruiting tactic I know the kids love them but at the end of the day stick with your traditional you know uh, home in a ways it's one of the best uniform combinations in football I don't care who you are. So stick with what you know, stick with what's good, and let's keep it traditional and uh, ride with what's gotten us here. If
1: you're not going to do it against LSU, I'd say probably do it against Houston or someone in the non-conference. Like some of these uniform matchups in the SEC, you just need to see. Like you need OU versus Tennessee in a, in a traditional matchup. Same thing like you mentioned versus Bama. Yeah. So I agree there. Uh, getting us back on track a little bit with the uh, 2024 class here. There's a lot of offensive weapons that are coming on, and I'm curious to know, like, which one, if you had to pick just one, like, which one do you think is the most electric guy, the one that you think um, could probably wow us in the 2024 season?
0: I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'm going to turn this around and let you go first. See what you're, <laughs> see what you're thinking here.
1: I, I appreciate that. I'm going to go with um, with Zion Kearney here, because I, he looks like one of the most smoothest uh, operators, I guess is a nice way to put it, um, in terms of, like, He's fluid, his motion, his his balance of speed and strength and power. Um, I just like what I see out of him. I think he's probably the most complete uh, wide receiver prospect that we've probably seen since CeeDee Lamb. And mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty high praise. I, I think he's got what looks to be like the build for an mm-hmm. NFL-type receiver in that mold of, okay, like this dude is going to be bigger and faster than you. And mm-hmm. right now, I think we've kind of got Nick Anderson that's in that that mold jane gibson kind of in that mold but i think zion kearney could be even better than both of those guys potentially whereas in in a lot of years past it's been either fast or big and not not both combined i think kearney's the kind of the perfect marriage there
0: yeah he's a perfect hybrid he's exactly what you want in you know shout out to emma jones you know give the guy a raise again i feel like we say that each and every week on this podcast But again, it's always fun, Adam. When this is a tough question to ask, because like you said, you've got a guy in Zion Kearney, top 100 player, one of the best wide receivers in the country. And then, oh, by the way, this guy's not going to be my answer. And I think that this says a lot when the number one running back in the country is coming to Oklahoma, and he's not even the most exciting offensive weapon in this class that I am looking forward to watching next year. So for me, the clear-cut answer is Devon Mitchell, and. I think Adam when you look at when you look at tied play at the University of Oklahoma you know your Keith Jacksons you know Mark Ingram or not Mark Ingram uh Mark Andrews Jermaine Gresham uh it's been a it's kind of been a little while since Oklahoma had that difference maker at the tight end position and you know no di- no discredit or you know not throwing any shade at anybody who's kind of been in an Oklahoma uniform at the tight end position since Andrews you know got drafted to the Baltimore Ravens but Devon Mitchell is a guy that is a true difference maker. He can line up on the line of scrimmage. He can block. He can get his nose dirty. uh, But he also has an opportunity where he truly shines, is making plays down the field, you know, in the passing game. So I'm very excited, especially given the fact that you've got two former tight ends that are going to be calling the plays for Oklahoma, two tight end coaches that are both OCs now at OU. I think sky's the limit for Devon Mitchell. I can't wait to see what this kid's going to do in Oklahoma uniform. Absolutely. Time to talk some uh, some basketball here? 100%. Adam, uh, where, where do we want to start here? You, you. T- I think you tweeted this out, or maybe this was in the group chat uh, a couple of days ago. Oklahoma basketball, as we sit here on December 19th, undefeated, number seven in the country. They're ranked ahead of Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke. How long has it been since that
1: happened? It's wild. I mean, right now, if OU was in the SEC, we would be the uh, top-ranked team in the conference right now, and we're going to uh, Charlotte to play against UNC. Mm-hmm. They're ranked number eleven. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of wild. I know. I know it's easy to forget that UNC didn't make the NCAA tournament a year ago, and so they're. But it's 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 like last year. You know, an OU six and seven in football, and they still go to you know Morgantown. Like that's still a big deal for those mm-hmm. types of fan bases. That's kind of like reversal of. Uh, of situations in a sense there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like you just keep watching this team. And I, I think the common theme that I I see is it's like taking care of business is really what they're doing Mm -hmm. because, you know, some of the teams like USC and Iowa maybe aren't as strong as what we thought they were at the beginning of the year, but like they're just going out and they're dominating everybody. It doesn't matter who it is. It's Arkansas, it's USC, it's Iowa, it's green Bay, Mm -hmm. green Bay, not a very good team, but like, We saw this team a year ago lose to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, We saw this team, uh, I think two years ago, lose at Creighton. So regardless of the quality of the opponent, OU's just dominating who they're playing.
0: Well, Adam, I think that's a sign of, number one, a very well-coached team. But also number two, it's a sign of a mature team that's got one common goal. Everybody knows their job, all working together, you know, to do whatever they have to do to take care of business. And you know, you hit the nail on the head. Oklahoma doesn't play up or down to their competition. It doesn't matter if it's USC. Doesn't matter if it's Iowa. Doesn't matter if it's Green Bay. A couple of nights ago in the U.S. or in the Lloyd Noble Center, my God. Uh, but Oklahoma, you would expect the good teams. They take care of business, even if it's a a highly inferior opponent, even though they know that they still come out there and, you know, they beat them by 40. They put them out of their misery, do what you're supposed to do, move on to the next one. And this is going to be a really nice, fun challenge. And again, for a lot of listeners of this podcast, we're probably going to know the result of the Oklahoma North Carolina game by the time that this episode is, is consumed by everyone. But. Again, with the way with the style of play that Oklahoma, you know, does on the basketball court this year, with what Porter Moser likes to do, Oklahoma is going to be in every single game that they play this year because it's their style is predicated upon playing tough, gritty, hard nosed defense and getting out in transition. And you know, I I would say it: Oklahoma's got five athletes on their on their starting five right now. You know, Javion McCollum, really good basketball player, one of the best point guards in the country right now. But but make no mistake about it. This is not a team similar to the Buddy Healed senior year where you had proven, you know, proven guards like an Isaiah Cousins or a Jordan Woodard or Buddy Healed that, you know, you know, were just elite shooters that could make it from anywhere on the court whatsoever. And make no mistake about it, this Oklahoma basketball team has a couple of guys that can make shots when called upon, but you know, their their biggest strength is getting to the bucket, you know, driving to the hole, kicking, dishing, setting things up out on the perimeter for open shooters. And Again, North Carolina, top to bottom roster-wise, is probably a much better basketball team on paper, but make no mistake about it, this Oklahoma team is pressing all the right buttons through the first month and a half of the season, and it's not going to surprise me whatsoever if Oklahoma goes into a hostile environment in the Queen City where it's going to be 90% uh, Tar Heel fans, and we'll see. I, I think that Oklahoma's going to have a chance to, to win this game tomorrow night, and One thing I do want to encourage Oklahoma fans, regardless of the outcome, you cannot argue with the fact that this is a basketball team that is leaps and bounds better another year in the Porter Moser system. The recruiting's gotten better. The talent has gotten better. Porter Moser's footprint is firmly embedded in this basketball program, and this is going to be a team that is going to have a chance to make some serious noise in the Big 12 Conference Uh, But again, Adam, if you lose tomorrow night, okay, great. You're going to you're probably still going to be 12 and one going into conference play. But if you go in there tomorrow night and you knock off a North Carolina team, you're probably going to be top five. Once Big 12 play comes around, you might even be a top, you know, the number one team in the Big 12 going into conference play. And what a time to be alive. (laughs) <laughs> no kidding Joe <laughs> Lunardi has
1: Oklahoma as a number two seed currently if they beat UNC I mean they could be leaping into a uh, number one overall seed just projected as we uh, likely head into the new year which is absolutely sure. insane to think that that is even a possibility mm-hmm. um UNC is gonna be a tough test like you mentioned on paper they've got the better athletes they've got the better players they recruited a high level um now also at the same time like there's nothing super impressive about them stat wise uh, so mm-hmm. on paper like this is a team that OU should be able to to go beat the same way that they, not in the same manner, but in the same way that um, they were better than Arkansas, they were better than USC and so forth. Mm-hmm. And the UNC is a big step up. They've played a lot better competition uh, in playing Kentucky already and playing UConn and playing Villanova. Now, they didn't win all those games. They're coming in with a two-game losing streak, mm-hmm. so I, I, you know they're going to be hungry. But I also think that this, this basketball team, just listening to what they have to say and in their interviews and so forth, sounds like they're in the right mindset to say, hey, like, we really haven't proven anything yet. Yeah. We're 10 0. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're doing something that hasn't been done since the buddy healed era, but I think there's a lot of people probably including me that are still kind of in a, Hey, let's, let's cautiously proceed, but a little bit of wait and see still.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, in the chat right now, Jimmy Satterfield, I think makes a really good, really good point. Basketball team is legit, especially if they improve the three point shooting, Adam, I'm just going to come out and say it. If, if Oklahoma can consistently, you know, shoot the, shoot the ball from beyond the arc at the, you know, the, the 38 to 45%, this team can play with anybody in America. And I don't think that that's too far of a stretch of a thing to say. Uh, This team is that good. They play good defense. They're, they're athletic as hell for the first time in a long time. I feel like we have a couple of guys in the post that are not a liability, but more, more essentially an asset. Um, so we'll see. Um, Adam, let's kind of wrap things up here. I'm going to put you on the spot calling an audible here. I'm not sure if we're going to record, obviously, next week with uh, Christmas and everything going on. We'll see. Probably not going to have an episode next week. But with that being the case, college football playoff, sem- both semifinal games are will have already happened the next time we get together. So putting you on the spot right now, and members in the chat, give us your winners as well. Who's going to be playing for the national championship? Uh, if I take off my bias,
1: I think it's going to be Texas and Bama, and I think Bama probably wins that rematch. Just knowing that they're a, they're a pretty different team, um, especially at that quarterback position, especially along the offensive line. But Texas has has gotten better throughout the year as well. I, I thought mm-hmm. they were a little sluggish throughout the first half of the season, just not really putting teams away until like really late in games, typically. And it, it I think it caught up to beat them with OU in a sense. But um, yeah, I I, I think. I really want Washington to win. Um, I want it so bad. I don't want Texas to have that talking point of, we made the national championship game in the playoff era uh, before Oklahoma did, but uh, I, I feel like they're going to be able to overmatch the Huskies. But a lot of people said that with Oregon, and it didn't happen. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I'm halfway in agreement with Jimmy in this one. Washington's going to be the team that I'm cheering for. I hope they win the national championship. Um at the end of the day if I'm if I'm looking at this and you know trying to analyze it you know with my head not with my heart I know that there's an insane amount of hatred on this podcast from everybody that's listening to this episode right now uh, for the University of Texas but again even though Washington has all the tools on offense to be able to take advantage of what I think is a, is the weak point of Texas's uh, defense and that is their secondary, I still think when you give Steve Sarkeesian a month to prepare with the weapons that it, that they have offensively, and Quinn Ewers is playing his best football right now, I think Texas gets it done. I think Alabama comes out there and pretty much out Michigan's Michigan. They've got the better they've got the better quarterback, uh, so I give them a slight edge in this one. I think you're going to have an Alabama-Texas rematch, and if I had to pick it right now, I don't I don't love going against Saban as an underdog, but. This kind of feels like a um, this kind of feels like a Texas 2005 type of year.
1: If that happens, Quinn Ewers goes pro, right? You don't think he I returns?
0: Still, no, I, I still think he returns. Hmm. Does Arch Manning hit the? Well, then? if Quinn if if Texas wins a national championship, even if Quinn Ewers comes out, he's still not a top top two quarterback. In the draft class, he might be top five, depending on, you know, if we really dive into it, depending on who declares and whatnot, but nobody's going to take him over Caleb Williams or Drake may. So, no, but I mean, if
1: he, if he wins the national championship, he's a big piece of that run for the longhorns. And sure. I mean, someone that can't get into that top one or two or three picks probably picks some like number seven, number
0: eight. Sure. So yeah, I'm going to be cheering for, if for Washington. If Washington can get it done, um, I'm going to roll with the tide that sec yeah. brethren, right? Yeah, we cheer for our conference mates. We can officially say that now, right? Yeah, we'll have to ask our Ole Miss friends how to ride the coattails of Alabama. Uh, so <laughs> we'll save Ole Miss for another time because they're they're going to be a player next year. Yeah, My God, yeah, they're, they're taking it. They're I, good. I I wish we could sprinkle a little bit of that transfer portal aggressiveness and whatever magic or whatever you know whatever they're doing to get these kids <laughs> to commit. Wish we kind of had a little bit of that same mindset, but. It's okay. We're going to get the guy from North Texas. Thanks everyone for listening or, or viewing the show here on
1: YouTube. We appreciate that. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at the mainline pod and uh, probably won't be back next week. Cause we'll be uh, between Christmas and new year. So we'll probably give uh, a week back to you guys and uh, enjoy the time off with family. And we will see everyone again next week, or I guess the following week for the next episode of the mainline. Ho, ho, ho.